on November 29th, 2023, day 11 of season 99 of Learned League, we learned of a circle of latitude with a whole bunch of cities on it, including one with a name that looked Korean. I'm Ben Rothenberg, and I later learned about the Northern Hemisphere's 38th line of latitude and the unparalleled ways in which lines of latitude have shaped our world for millennia. Latitude and longitude are often talked about and thought about in concert, but they do have pretty different histories, and I'm going to mostly stick to latitude here because that's where this question starts us. There have been calculations of latitude using the sky by measuring the height of the sun and the stars over the horizon since at least 600 BC when the Phoenicians did it. About a thousand years later in another part of the world, early Polynesians also used latitude calculations. Basically, once a civilization had any kind of sundial, they could tell that the sun is doing different things to that sundial, especially on the solstice, when they look at measurements taken at different latitudes. And there was a pretty wide range of latitude knowledge even in the very early days. Pythias was a Greek explorer who sailed far from Greece around 325 BC, making it all the way up north to the Arctic Circle in the Atlantic, where he observed that the sun didn't set up there at all around the summer solstice. While it's all uniform now around the equator, different early geographers found different places to start their zero-latitude lines from. Marinus of Tyre, a famous Roman cartographer, used the Greek Isle of Rhodes for his zero line. That's around 36 degrees north in modern latitude usage. Ptolemy, that famous Egyptian geographer who used geodesy, which is a fancy word for the measurement of the Earth, famously had a very accurate approximation of what we now know as the equator in his calculations. He measured north and south as starting from a place where the summer solstice days are 12 hours long, which is the equator, to where they are 24 hours long, the Arctic Circle. Skip ahead a bit to the 1700s when the French geodesic mission launched globe-traveling expeditions to determine the size of the Earth for good. From 1734 to 1744, a group led by Charles-Marie de la Condamine traveled to South America, to what was then known as the territory of Quito. After taking lots of measurements, the expedition drew a line, and they were very, very close, but they were off by just about 240 meters from where the actual equator we now know is. It's speculated that the hilly, mountainous terrain of the area around Quito made exact calculations tougher for them, but nonetheless they were very close, and that land was then named Ecuador after this new discovery and the new line. This French expedition, though, wasn't the first, though, to really decide that Quito was at the center of the world. Even a pre-Incan people in the area, known as the Quitus, had marked a hill, Catequia, that historians say they knew was at the center of the world, because the shadows were on the hill's right for exactly six months of the year, and on the hill's left for the other six months of the year. And that hill, Catequia, stands at exactly zero degrees, more accurate than the fancier French measurements hundreds of years later. Whole number degrees of latitude are about 69 miles apart, if you're wondering, and that's consistent pretty much anywhere on the globe as those lines run parallel. Because degrees of longitude are not parallel, but rather converge at the poles, their distance from one another is not uniform around the world. As more and more of the world is getting mapped out with latitude and longitude, lines can be calculated with increasing accuracy for anywhere, not just places that had already been visited by the humans who wanted to draw lines on maps. Latitude and longitude lines became increasingly popular for colonizing powers who wanted to divide up the lands they couldn't always see and they hadn't always been to. Looking at a U.S. map, this is why the western states like Wyoming, Colorado, and Utah only have straight line borders, instead of the various natural features that might have been used to divide up these areas if the people who were drawing these borders had lived there for a long time before divvying up the land. Maybe one of the best examples of this is Australia, which is enormous and has almost entirely straight line borders between all of its states. 
When those lines were drawn by the British settlers, they almost always hadn't actually been to any of the parts of Australia they were drawing lines across. So they didn't know any of the possible natural landscape features that could have been used as boundaries. Basically, when you see a long straight line on a map, you can be pretty confident it wasn't drawn by a longtime local. That's a big contrast to Europe, which has almost no straight line boundaries to speak of, and was always being divided up by people who knew the land and knew the peoples who were living there. This was not at all the case when Africa was divided up by distant European powers, particularly around the 1885 Berlin Conference, amid Europe's rapid invasion, colonization, annexation, and division of Africa. 38th parallel across Korea was very much one of those distant strong lines. After World War II, the Korean Peninsula, which had been occupied for decades by Japan, was suddenly in possession of the Allies. Moscow and Washington, nowhere near Korea, came up with a line, the 38th parallel, to divide their new spoils in half. Both sides, though, weren't happy with this division and claimed to be the rightful authority over the entire peninsula. The North Koreans crossed the 38th parallel and invaded the South on June 25, 1950, and the Korean War broke out. Once the war ended, a new nearby line was drawn, called the Military Demarcation Line or the Armistice Line, with the famous DMZ, Demilitarized Zone, on either side, still dividing the two Koreas, which still haven't been united since the Soviets and Americans divided them. The new border between them is a curvy line, some of it's above the 38th parallel, some of it's below, but Koreans still often colloquially call this new line Sampal Sion, which is just Korean for 38th parallel. There's still a few very minor landmarks on the actual 38th parallel in South Korea, which are named for it. There's both a 38th parallel beach on the east coast of South Korea, and there's a 24-hour service area, the 38th parallel service area, that's located a bit inland. Many of the 635 Google reviews for the 38th parallel service area mention that they have good coffee there. Thank you for listening to I Later Learned once more. I appreciate your unparalleled support of the show, and please do share with your friends and stay up to date on our output by subscribing. We're already on the big podcast distribution sites like Apple and Spotify. Leave reviews there. Those help a bunch. And talk about the show if you want on the Learned League message board. We have a thread there about it. You can email me at the show at ilaterlearned at gmail.com. Until next time, here's to learning. <laughs>